sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it is the spirit of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Thank you for the psalmist who has blessed our hearts and opened us up and made us available to receive what thus saith the Lord on tonight. And it is indeed a privilege and a blessing for us to be here. Uh, I've just come to the understanding that the church of God is always full. The church of God is always full. For there's never a moment that God is not here. And even on Sundays where every every pew is filled, every seat is taken, it's no more full than it is right now. Because when two or three are gathered together in his name, the Lord is there in the midst. So we thank God for the sweet spirit that's in this place and for your willingness to come out and sacrifice tonight to receive what thus saith the Lord. Uh, I could identify with Bishop's words. When I come into worship, I don't care who else is here. Uh, my wife and I have this little uh, uh, tiff between us that when I get to church, I'm ready to come in the building. My wife waits till we drive up on, into the parking lot and park, and then she'll finish her makeup and finish her shoes. It, ladies, and and I'm sitting there just wound up like a top. Just I just need to get into the atmosphere. Uh, so y'all pray my strength in the Lord. That is something the Lord has still not healed uh, in our marriage yet. But we just thank the Lord that we can come. I'm still excited about coming to the house of the Lord. Amen. And so we bless the name of Jesus in this place uh, to be here for this holy convocation. Uh, we thank God for, for Joseph. We thank God for Joseph that when God needed to bless the world with the Savior, he needed to have a man that was trustworthy. He needed to have a man who could have honor bestowed on him and not get lost because he's not in the limelight. Bishop Jackson is our Joseph. He is the man by whom God put and established this work. And he knew that this man would never take credit for it, but he would always give credit and glory to God. So can you join me in thanking God for our Joseph and for our bishop, Bishop Alfred Jackson. We love you, Dad. Thank God for you. For Mother Jackson, we love you. Praying for you to become a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But until such time, God is still good. <laughs> Amen. Blessings to all of you. And thank you again for allowing us to come and share with you on tonight. I was thinking as we came in and entered into worship, and someone was just speaking words of exhortation. And I was thinking about as we look back over the past of our life and we look at where God has brought us from and where God is taking us to, I began to think about the mercy of God. And I look back over my life and whenever there's been a crime committed, they send out forensic examiners and they look for fingerprints. And the fingerprints are to prove who was in that place. And I just believe on tonight that when people look into Tony's past, they see the fingerprints of God's mercy. Not just my life, but I'm sure in your life too. We thank God for the fingerprints of mercy that are always in operation in our life. Not because we deserve it, but because God is so good. And so we bless the name of Jesus on tonight. Uh, thank you again for your wonderful hospitality that you always extend. Tabernacle of praise. Bishop Crosby, good to see you, man of God. That brother is always dressed to the nines, I tell you the truth. I told his wife, I told her, I said, I believe his pajamas are G'd up. He just, he just always dressed to the nines. Uh, 
I told my wife, I said, baby, one day when I grow up, I'll dress like that. But uh, the Lord is not through with me yet. So Tabernacle of Praise, we are uh, here tonight to praise the Lord and to receive a word from the Lord. And God has given us an assignment. If you will direct your heart with me to 1 Chronicles 29, uh, we are dealing with our theme uh, Tabernacle of Praise, I've, I've been on a fast unwilling, un, unwittingly with you. I didn't know. I did read something on Facebook, but I didn't know specifically. Uh, but my wife has had us on the green smoothie fast since Tuesday. And uh, I am just enjoying it so much. <laughs> Glory be to the Father. Hoo-wee. Yes, them green smoothies. Uh, so much fun. I just, I believe what the book said. You speak those things that are not as though they were. Amen. I, I like spinach and I like kale. I like all that stuff. But Lord have mercy. Enough is enough. <laughs> Help me, Father. Amen. It's good for me. It's my suit fits better. I'll tell you that. I thank God for that. First Chronicles chapter 29. We're looking at health tonight and uh, one of the most important parts of our health is our heart. We're going to start right in the center. We're going to start right in the center um, because you, you can have a machine breathe for you. But if your heart stops beating and blood ceases to circulate, your brain dies and so follows your body. So we think about health tonight. We're going to begin with the heart. Amen. First Chronicles, First Chronicles 29 is our lifted assignment for tonight, and I, I want to read uh, in your hearing verses 1 through 5. I'm going to be reading from the King James. I'll be referencing from the King James, New King James, and Amplified, but I'll be reading in your hearing from the King James. The word of the Lord says this, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young, and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for the things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, and stones to be set, glistering stones and of diverse colors of all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have made mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Verse 4 even 3,000 talents of gold and of the gold of Ophar and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house with all. Verse 5 and last. The gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? I just want to reason with your heart tonight from this thought. Willing to consecrate. Willing to consecrate. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Willing to consecrate. Father, in Jesus' name, 
I devote myself to you in this moment completely, entirely. I withhold no part of myself. That, Father, on tonight you have given an assignment for us to be here. That from this lesson tonight we will glean lessons that will make 2018 all you want it to be. Now, Father, we just ask you now to create this atmosphere that will be conducive to learning, to challenge, and to transformation. Father, we did not come here tonight just to hear a sermon, but Lord, we come tonight to have our lives to be changed. Father, take the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart and make them acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and redeemer, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, 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 amen. Beloved, we are here to partake in this ceremony, this season and series of services of consecration. Many times when we think of consecration, uh, we leave some very important things out. Uh, when we think about consecration, we can't think of consecration without something being consecrated. And one of the most essential things to consecration is the heart. The heart is the essential part of life itself. And in our walk with the Lord, we have to understand how significant the condition of our heart is to God. If we are going to be profitable and good and faithful servants of God, our hearts must be changed. Anything in life that experiences a significant life-altering change to where it cannot change back, there must be a point where something happened that won't allow you to go back. If we use the illustration tonight of a butterfly, that, that a butterfly starts out as a caterpillar. It's a very unattractive animal, very unassuming animal, and an animal that looks like it has a limited future. But it goes through a transformation after it enters into a cocoon. And when it comes out as a beautiful butterfly, it will never return back to what it once was. Many times in church, we try to change ourselves. And when we try to change ourselves, all we're doing is putting lipstick on a caterpillar. Because if you change yourself, you can also change yourself back. But God, when God changes the heart... God does a work that it is impossible for you to ever change back into what you once were. And so we understand tonight that God wants to do a work in our heart. And many times in scripture when we read about the heart, we hear it somewhat being synonymous with the mind and the heart. And what I want to reason with you about tonight is there is a difference between our human mind and our human heart versus the heart and mind that Scripture speaks of. We have our intellectual mind that thinks and reasons and, and has the rationale for most things. And what we must understand is that this mind on its best day is carnal. And so when the Bible talks about the mind, it is literally talking about the internal organ of the heart inside the soul, the heart and the mind, because this is what God does differently than the human mind. The human mind uses human logic and human understanding. But the heart, the mind that the Bible speaks of is where God reasons his will. 
And so if we're going to be people who live and walk in the will of God, our heart must be changed and transformed in order to discern what it is God's calling us to do. There are a lot of us that have good ideas and, and good concepts, but, but, but listen, only what we do for Christ will last. And so what God wants from us is God wants there to be a change in our heart. And when we think about consecration, if the heart and the soul haven't been dedicated, the body will not follow. And so if we're going to be consecrated unto God, there must be an internal consecration before an external confirmation. Many times the confirmation we're looking for is for us to do better. But if there's been an internal consecration, the confirmation of your life changing will happen. If, if you've been like me, you've tried to act good before. But even if you Denzel, you can only act for so long. But when God has made a change in the heart, God knows how to align your heart to follow his will even when you don't like it. Come, come here, Paul. Paul said, I go bound to Jerusalem because when God's will is operating through your heart, it'll make your flesh do things you don't want to do. It'll make you love people that are difficult to love. It'll make you forgive people who hurt you to your core. And one thing I've earned, learned to understand about God through the years is God's will doesn't always feel good. Let, let, me, let me get down to, to my level real quick. A lot of us want to operate on how you feel. And God says, no, no, you don't operate on how you feel. You operate on your faith. And so God does this work in the heart. And it is important for our heart to be transformed because God does the consecration internally. And after the internal consecration, the confirmation of our life being changed will be made manifest. We got to understand tonight that we are citizens of two countries. We are citizens of two nations. We have a holy heart and a human body. And both want what they want. Our body wants what it wants. I stopped on the way down here tonight. I was a little tired and got McDonald's coffee. I told y'all we on the green smoothie fast. And so when I walk in there and I see all the menu, my flesh said, eateth and live. That's what my flesh said. But my soul said, you're in covenant with your wife. And so you can look, but you can't touch. My God, my God, keep me on the way back home. So, so there is a natural instinct of the body. But watch this. There's a natural instinct of the soul that our soul wants to please God. And so we need that internal consecration. And after we receive the internal consecration, then we can consecrate ourselves externally to the Lord. Are you with me? Let me show you real quick in Scripture evidence of this change, this transformation. And it sounds similar, but there's a, there's a different connotation. Keep, keep yourselves right here in 1 Chronicles uh, 29, but turn with me quickly to Ezekiel 36 and 26. Ezekiel 36 and 26. Ezekiel 36 and 26. Let's look at this heart real quick, because the heart is the matter. All right, Ezekiel 36, 
verse 26. This is what the word of the Lord says. He says, a new heart also will I give you. Now, that, that, lets, that lets us know that, that it's not talking about that regular heart that makes our blood circulate. Are you with me? He says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, wait a minute. Is that an oxymoron? That he said he's going to take the heart from the flesh and give us a heart of flesh. He's saying, listen, in your flesh, your heart is hard. That, that's why somebody can hurt you on your job and you'll forgive them, but somebody can hurt you in church and you won't. Because your natural heart is hard. And so God says, watch this, I'm going to give you a heart for your flesh that operates by the Spirit. So that is the different heart and the different mind. So when you read in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's talking about the internal heart that God gives us after salvation. There can be no consecration on the outside until there's first consecration on the inside. Are you with me? All right, go back to First Chronicles, First Chronicles 29. So, so we're going to start walking through the steps and the stages as David is outlining and he's explaining uh, to what we would call the congregation or the people of the temple or of the kingdom what is about to transpire. So he begins to talk about this thing and this notion of consecration and he asks, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. Consecration, beloved of God, and we think about consecration for the believer in Christ Jesus. It is the lifelong process of sanctification by the Holy Spirit through voluntary submission of your will to be used for the fullness of God's glory. When you think about consecration for the, for the believer in Jesus Christ, it is the lifelong process of sanctification by the Holy Spirit through your voluntary submission of your will to be used for the fullness of God's glory. It is us submitting. So David asked this question, who is willing to submit themselves to be consecrated? Who is willing to separate themselves to the service of God? Who is willing to shut the world out so God can lock himself in? David is asking which of us are really serious enough and sincere enough to get so serious about God that we will intentionally cut the world off so that God can cut himself on. And so my question to you tonight is, are you willing to cut the world off so God can cut himself on? Yeah, yeah, that consecration, your willingness to, to subdue your own will so that God's will can be done in our life. And for many of us, the first sign of consecration we learned, we learned in our school clothes. Mm. The, the, first, the first object lesson in consecration some of us got was in our school clothes. Now, I, I need some of y'all that, that, that got a few years on you. Growing up, we had school clothes and play clothes. And the only thing you could do in your school clothes was go to school. You had a different pair of pants and a different pair of shoes and shirts you wore outside to play because the other things were consecrated just for school. 
that's the first lesson most of us, now not today because y'all just playing whatever y'all got because we're so blessed and so fortunate. But that was the first lesson that many of us got that showing us that there are some things that are so important that they need to be set aside for a specific use. And so when we begin to process tonight this thought of consecration, watch this. I want to willingly set myself on the sideline so God can call me into the game. Some of us want to call ourselves into the game. And, and when you call yourself in the game, you got to keep yourself in the game. But when God calls you in the game, he equips you to do what he's purposed you to do. And one thing I've understand about your gift, you don't have to force your gift. Because your gift makes room for itself. When you've been anointed to do what God wants you to do, God will move hell and high water to make sure his gift works through you. Put your hands on yourself and say, Lord, work through me. Yeah, yeah, that gift is in operation. So, so God says, if you set yourself apart, I will use you. So, so David is talking here, and he begins to set up the argument for some things that we must consider as we think about being consecrated unto the Lord and, and having our heart like God wants it to be so he can use us for his glory. Now, you can consecrate a place, you can consecrate a thing, and you can consecrate a person. And tonight we're talking about ourselves being consecrated so God can use us for his glory. I was talking to a pastor brother on today, and, and he had uh, one of his worship leaders to recently leave. And she, she sent him a text because she didn't have the courage to talk to him person to person. These were her words. She said, Pastor, I must leave and go to a church where I can grow. I got to go to a church where my gift can be used. I need to go somewhere where I hear a fresh word from God. And I said, well, pastor, did you really lose anybody? I said, did she come to Bible study? He said, no. Did she come to Sunday school? He said, no. Can you count on her for intercessory prayer? He said, no. That's somebody that's called themselves into the game. And if you're not careful, you'll believe the hype about yourself. But I want to tell you on tonight, it's not you that anoints you. It's the grace and the glory of God that puts a favor in your life to use you for his glory. So, so, so watch people, watch this, watch people who look at themselves and call themselves consecrated. Because if you got to tell me you're consecrated, you're trying to prove something you don't believe for yourself. Back in the day, Bishop Crosby, they call it selling wolf tickets. I don't have time to explain that tonight. But, but we got to understand that he said your heart has got to be right. So David put some identifiers in the text to help us see things we need to observe in order to make sure that our life is consecrated to the Lord. So the first thing that we must do to arrange our life to be consecrated with God is you must identify your passion. You must identify your passion. Verse 3 says, because I have set my affection on the house of my God. David said, my passion is on pleasing God. Let me tell you this about your passion. Whatever your passion is, you'll give up whatever you got to give up to get it. 
talk, 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 talk to me if you can tonight. When you really, really want something, you will sacrifice whatever you have to sacrifice in order to get it, to obtain it. And David looked back over his life at all the time he had wasted doing silly stuff. And David reminded himself of how good and how faithful God had been. And David said, I've come to the place in my life where my passion is God and not all this other stuff. So now you can understand David when he said, I once was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And so, church, you got to identify what's your passion. Is your passion singing without word? Is your passion preaching with no study? Is your passion to usher so everybody sees you when they walk in and walk out? Or is your passion to please God? He said, you got to identify those affections. He said, I set my affections on the house of God. I put my passion there. Let me put this passion in context. If you know that two weeks from now, you and your friends are going to the movies. And you know, when you go to the movies now, you got to plan for it. You know, the, the $3, the dollar fifty movie is gone. Now when you go to the movies, you got to plan in advance because you got to save. You got to get ready so you can buy that, that $18 bucket of popcorn. But if you, <laughs> if you knew in advance that it was going to happen, you would stop doing everything else you, you normally would do in order to have the money and the means to go to the movies. So when it comes to the house of God... There should be nothing of greater significance than what we do for the kingdom. And just like we'll sacrifice whatever we must sacrifice to do what we want to do, David said, let your passion be God. Now, I have to jump to the New Testament because I read somewhere over there, I think it was in Matthew, maybe chapter 6, maybe verse 33, that it said, but if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that all these other things will be added unto you. So you got to identify your passion. So my question tonight is, what is your passion? Is your passion just your family? Because watch this, if your passion is just your kids, what you gonna do when your babies grow up? Y'all do realize most divorces happen after the babies are grown and gone. Me and my wife made up our mind a long time ago. It took us to make them so they'll never come between us. Y'all too sanctified for that. So, 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 so you got to identify your passion. And don't let stuff or people be your passion. And, and let me just help somebody real quick. Never make pleasing people your passion. Because no matter how hard you try, you'll never please people. Amen. And so he says, you got to identify your passion. He said, because I set my affection on the house of God. Remember, David told, God told David that David could not build the temple. But look what he did. He got together everything Solomon would need in order to build the temple. Hear me good. Can God use you to build somebody else's future? Because if your passion is about the kingdom, it's not about you being on top, but it's about God being glorified. Can God use you to bless somebody else while nothing's changing in your life? David made happen for his son what it wouldn't happen for himself. But when you can bless somebody else, they can't be blessed.
without you. You are kind of like a light switch. Can't be any light unless it flows through me. And what I've learned about God is when I let God bless other people through me, when they get blessed, I get blessed too. Can you imagine what it felt like to be the king and to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your son was going to build a temple like nobody had ever built before, but he would know every brick he laid, every ounce of gold he put, he put it there because my daddy paid the price. Is there somebody that's glad tonight that daddy paid the price for you to have what you have, for you to be who you are, and for you to do what he's called you to do? So the first thing we must do is we must identify our passion. The second thing you need to do to walk into consecration is you need a role model. You need somebody that you can pattern yourself after. Verse 1 says this, Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, who alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. All of us need somebody, somebody's life to emulate, somebody's life that makes you want to be better. We need somebody for us to follow. And almost every person you see in scripture that does a great work, there was somebody before them that helped show them and teach them the way. And beloved, when we learn to connect with the people whom God has chosen for us, God has got a way of drawing us into his will. But you need a role model, somebody who you can connect with, and there's a part of their life that you want God to amplify in your life. But when we look through scripture, everyone who God used in a great way had somebody great that showed them the way. Joseph had Jacob. Ruth had Naomi. Elisha had Elijah. Hezekiah had Isaiah. The three Hebrew boys had Daniel. Jesus had John. Paul had Silas. And Timothy had Paul. And so what we, must, what we must do is find somebody's life we can follow so that God can pull us to greater. You'll never be great by yourself. But every great work God did, he did it through somebody else. Come, come here, Jesus. We have no wine at the wedding. But Jesus couldn't just show up and turn water into wine, but he needed somebody else to connect with. So mama called Jesus to the wedding, and now we have the first miracle he performed, but God did it by connecting him with somebody else. And I need us to understand tonight that your greatest will you ever be is when you connect with the person that God wants to lead you. Are y'all with me on tonight? And, and so God always makes great people through other people, which means you don't have to try to do it all by yourself. But every great person who God used, he connected them through somebody else. And so we need a role model. So, so David said, even though Solomon is young, I've been his role model. And David as being his role model, watch this, David was not perfect. And David could show to Solomon, this is what it looks like to repent. This is what you do after you fall flat on your face doing what you want to do. But I can prove how merciful God is by looking back over my life. Sometimes your greatest witness might be in your failure. 
Sometimes your greatest witness might be through something that didn't work out like you expected. Sometimes the greatest lesson you'll teach somebody else is the thing that cost you everything you got. Now, y'all sitting in here like you've never fallen flat on your face. Y'all are sitting in here like you've never had a moment where you failed God so bad that you didn't even want to come back to church. But thanks be unto God that the, the marks I got on my knees prove how good and how precious and how merciful and how long-suffering God is. You see, I need a witness that can show me how to be holy and still be human. I need somebody that can identify with I struggle with things I wrestle with things but the God that I serve he's able to overcome my issues my shortcomings or whatever might not be right about me but the thing I want to teach you tonight is I can be holy and still be human now since I'm holy and human that means I'm not going to make an excuse when God calls me out and beloved sometimes we need to be called out you can touch somebody now and say, neighbor, don't get mad when I call you out. The Bible says that Paul withstood Peter to his face. And sometimes a good calling out will get you from being cut out. Yeah, yeah. A, a, good, a good calling out can keep you out of trouble. And, and, and Joseph will tell you, a, a, good run, a, a, a good run is better than a bad stand any day of the week. I remember Joseph and his coat of many colors. Uh-huh. When Beyonce tried to corner him in that room and tried to take his garment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of y'all gonna get that in the parking lot. But he said, Look, even though my daddy gave me this coat, I'd rather you take my coat than you take my integrity. Am I talking to somebody today? So, so we got to understand that, that God says, I want you to have this personal accountability to where somebody can check you because if somebody else can check you, you're going to be more humble for the Holy Spirit to lead you. Are you with me? So, so we, we got to be able to find a role model. We got to find a role model. The, the third thing, the third thing is that consecration only considers gain, not what you give up. Consecration only considers gain. It doesn't even factor what you give up. This is what he said in verse 3. I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. He said, my own special treasure of gold and silver. Now watch this. As they were rebuilding, David had put out a tax for people to pay for the building of the temple. And each person was assigned to give a certain amount. And David as being the king, his stuff was paid for by the kingdom. But David, as Bishop said earlier, David knew a principle that I'm never ever going to give a sacrifice to God that didn't cost me anything. So when he said the latter part here of verse 3, he said, my own treasure, my own special treasure and gold and silver. He was literally saying here, I pulled out of my own pocket and I gave to God because I realized this fact. I can never lose by giving to God what God gave to me. That's why I can't understand why people are afraid to tithe. How can you, oh, it got quiet right there. How can you be afraid to give a portion back to God what he gave you in the first place? So, so, so. All, all consecration considers is what I've gained because David understood this. I should have never made it off the battlefield with Goliath. 
y'all, y'all, some of y'all, y'all, some of y'all are just too deep for that. He understood that the odds were against me. I should have never, ever made it off the battlefield. But God didn't just bring me off the battlefield, but he chose me. He anointed me. He consecrated me to be king. And I'm here today only because of the grace of God. David knew he shouldn't have made it off the battlefield. And I think some of us tonight can identify with there's some battlefields we should not have made it off of. And so I'm not going to be ashamed to give God whatever he's worthy of because if it weren't for God, I wouldn't be who I am today. Is there somebody in the house that can decree and declare that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, not only would I not have the clothes, I wouldn't have the house, I wouldn't have the car, I wouldn't have the spouse. If it was not for the goodness for the Lord, I wouldn't be here tonight. Not only me, but you wouldn't be here either because the car wreck would have taken you out. The operating table would have taken you out. But God kept us. So, so, so. David saying that somebody who's consecrated, I only think about the game. Because watch this. I'll never outgive God. I don't care how much of yourself you give, how much of your time you give, you'll never outgive God. So, so he said, I'm going to take from the, my personal treasure and I'm going to give this back to God. Why? Because those who are consecrated never think about the loss. All they think about is the gain. The increase that comes to our life that we know we don't deserve. Some of you right now have jobs that educationally you don't qualify for. Talk back to me tonight. Some of y'all are living in houses that you don't credit qualify for. Some of y'all are driving stuff right now that on paper you can't afford. But God is keeping you and God is blessing you and God is sustaining you. So don't think about the little trinkets you give up. Thank God for the treasure you got. Yeah. He said, I took up my own treasure and I gave it back to God because those who have been consecrated don't think about what they give up. All they think about is gain. When you are consecrated unto God, your life is all about what God gets out of you, not what you get out of God. When your life is consecrated unto God, your life is all about what God gets out of you, not what you get out of God. Because y'all do know we can treat God like a holy vending machine. And we can come to God every time we need something. But where are you at when God needs somebody? Who will go for us and who shall we send? Lord, here am I. Send me. And so God says, it ought to be what I get out of you, not about what you get out of me. And so, so we jump down to verse 5, and I'm getting ready to, to wrap up tonight. I just had to open us up uh, in a place to put our heart in the right place. David asked this question. He says, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. Y'all do know that sometimes we put God on hold. And God is trying to work something great out of you. And you're telling God to hold up. God is trying to work miracles for somebody else. But you're too busy worried about you that you tell God not yet. And God, I'm going to let you use me in 2019. But in 2018, I'm going to get myself together. God, I'll, I'll let you get me right when I get when I get everything together like I want it to be. And what God wants us to understand tonight is you'll never get it that way in your own strength. 
But God has got a way of taking two little mites, two little pieces of tin, and God will do great things out of it. And what I want to encourage you to do tonight is stop putting God on pause. That when God wants to do something great through you, don't try to add it up, just believe it up. One thing I've learned about God is that when I trust him with little, God will do great things out of it. And for many of us tonight, we are so busy trying to get it right to help God out that God can't do the great things that he wants to do. But David said, if you will commit your way to God today, somebody say today. That means we got to stop waiting to get it right on our own and submit ourselves to God just the way that I am. One thing I've learned about God is when you submit yourself just the way you are, God will prove just how great he is. And if you can trust God to be talked about, to be lied on, let him talk about you, let him lie on you. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God has got a way of elevating you above your enemies. Don't worry about the people who are not in your favor because you are too favored by God to worry about people who don't have heaven or hell to put you in. But the Bible says don't fear me man who can do a little damage to the body but you need to be concerned about God who can deal with the body and the soul and so I want to encourage you tonight to stop waiting and get ready for God to use you right now because when it was time for Noah and them to come off the boat remember they kept looking for signs whether or not it's time to come off when God opened the door it's time to hit the ground running and I stopped by to encourage somebody tonight it's time to hit the ground running you've been waiting long enough you've been on pause long enough you've been waiting for it to add up long enough but now God is saying can you trust me enough to walk out in a dangerous place to come out of the ark and to go into a place you've never been before can you trust me enough to walk by faith and not by sight can you trust me enough to know there's lions tigers and bears but greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world can you trust me to go through a fiery furnace and come out and not look like what you've been through God said can I trust you in a storm so I can prove how great I am I stopped by to tell somebody tonight God wants to use you right now he's not waiting for next year he's not waiting for you to get your hair right and get your teeth fixed God said I want to use you while you are nothing I want to use you while you're nobody so when I bring you out of this they'll say can't nobody but God do what God did to them can I call a witness real quick the Bible says there was a lunatic in the tombs cutting himself and no man could contain him but God came across the water and Jesus spoke to the man they called a lunatic and after he spoke to the man's heart the Bible says that the very same people who said he was crazy the very same people who said he cannot be tamed the Bible says that they came to a pep rally and Jesus put the spotlight on him and the Bible says he was sitting 
clothed in his right mind. You see, while they thought he was crazy, they were all right. But after Jesus did a work, they got so mad with Jesus that they told Jesus to leave the city. I want to encourage somebody tonight. Let God use you while you're crazy. Let God use you while they talk about you. Let God use you while you're broke so that when you come out, they'll say you've been sitting clothed in your right mind. Come here, Peter. Peter will tell you that Jesus was washing feet. And I know my feet are too dirty and too nasty for the Lord to wash my feet. So Peter told Jesus, Lord, you will not wash my feet. And Jesus said to Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And this is what Peter said. Consecrate me, not just my feet. Wash my hands, wash my head. Consecrate me from the top to the bottom and use me for your glory. Can I encourage somebody? God can use anybody that's got a willing heart. God will use anybody that will give him a chance. I don't care what you don't have. If God be for you, he's more than the world against you. I don't care what the doctor said. He's able to heal my body. I know my child might be in jail, but God did a work because the Bible said, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God from a jail cell. Don't you worry about that child. They're in the care of God, but God is able to open up your cell. I heard the praise team say, no more shackles and no more chains. And I stopped by to tell somebody, in 2018, no more shackles and no more chains, no more bondage, because I'm free. Somebody look towards him and say, Lord, this year, I'm free, and with your stripes, I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. Somebody thank God right now that this will be a great year. I'm covered from the top of my head to the soles of my feet and everywhere. My footsteps is going to be blessed. I got a new territory. I got some new space because every place my footsteps is blessed, is favored, is mercy, is grace. Every place that I step is blessed. Hallelujah. 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 Willing to consecrate. He said, who is willing this day to consecrate themselves unto the Lord because it's your personal choice. God will never force you to consecrate yourself. It's your personal choice. But it begins in your heart. It begins in that place where God said, I'll give you a new heart made of flesh and I'll take the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a new spirit. Watch the text. I'll give you a new spirit and a new heart which means it will guide you and it will teach you to live 
in a dead situation. Tabernacle of praise, I want to encourage you tonight that it's time to consecrate yourself. Not just externally, but internally. And when the internal is consecrated, the outside is easy to consecrate. Separated. Set aside for the use of God. And here's one thing I can tell you about God. Is when you separate yourself to him, for him, God will do great things in your life. And people will wonder how you got the promotion. They'll wonder how you got the things that they haven't obtained yet. But God says, when you consecrate yourself to me, God says, I'll do great things through you. So tonight, it's time to consecrate yourself to the Lord. He's worthy of it tonight. Don't worry about what you feel like you're lacking. Because in Christ, you lack nothing. So tonight, we got to trust God to say, Lord, I submit myself to you. I consecrate myself to you. I devote my life to you. And Lord, I'm, I'm not going to try to be somebody else, but I'm going to be who you called me to be. So, so tonight, tonight, all over the room, if you're here tonight, this is a moment of consecration. This is a moment where not just my outside and, and the way I act, but the way I think internally, the way I process God's will internally, that's what needs to be consecrated most. So on tonight, tonight, we just want to pray a prayer of consecration. Will you consecration? Will you stand up all over the room? All over the room tonight. We just want to pray a prayer of consecration. And listen, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, this is the moment. This is the hour. As David said, who will consecrate themselves today unto the Lord? If you're here today and you've never asked the Lord to forgive you of your sin, and acknowledge that he's the son of God. And in this moment, you feel drawn to the Lord. The altar is open for you. If you're here tonight and you've, you've never openly confessed Jesus, never openly confessed your sin, and that you need him as Savior, this, this is your moment. If you're here tonight, this, this is your moment. Hallelujah to Jesus.